Welcome to Every Moment His, a podcast dedicated to how God's preached word affects every moment of our daily lives. This sermon was preached by Pastor John Rasmussen at Holy Cross Lutheran Church. Good morning, uh, beloved people of God. Let's open up our Romans journal to Romans chapter 15, starting at verse 32. This is going to be our second to last reading in Romans. And here Paul's going to finally share with us why he wrote such a long letter that takes about 10 months to get through in a sermon series, and we'll see how the the reasons he had for writing that letter actually apply to us here and now as well. So we begin with our text in verse 22. Paul says, this is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain, and to be helped on my journey there by you, once I have enjoyed your company for a while. At present, however, I am going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. For they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be of service to them in material blessings. When therefore I have completed this and have delivered to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. I appeal to you, brothers by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. And it sounds like that's the end of Romans, but it's not. One more chapter. Well, I'm sure that many of you have seen some kind of movie or uh, television program which the following happens in. So, a plot like this. There's a mysterious, lethal disease that breaks out and it threatens to kill the majority of the global population. In the midst of the chaos, we follow characters who are hot on the trail of a cure, some kind of miracle medicine that will save all of humanity in the last moment. Once the cure is found, the characters are on a mission to get this medicine available and accessible to as many people as possible, and there may even be some bad guys who are trying to stop them. Uh, it's interesting, I was reading that these types of movies were actually very popular in guess what year? 2020. <laughs> As if we didn't have enough to think about with regard to illness, um, I guess we were all watching movies like the 1995 film Outbreak. Has anybody ever seen this? I think it gave me nightmares when I was a kid. Um, or maybe the 2011 movie Contagion, Nothing Spreads Like Fear. Um, I'm sure there's more, but those are the two that come to mind. 
Now, uh, if you've seen any of these movies, I think that the plot is helpful for us in understanding why Paul wrote Romans. Um, in the earlier chapters of Romans, Paul, he retells this biblical story of how this beautiful world that God created, this good world that God created, came into ruin through this contagious spiritual disease called sin that was released upon God's creation. And it led human beings to no longer mirror God's goodness and love to the world, but rather it kind of turned human beings inward on themselves and caused them to live in ways that were self-serving rather than to the glory of God and the good of others. And yet, Paul tells us in Romans that when we were at our worst, seemingly beyond cure or even wanting to be cured, that is when God sent a cure into the world, and that cure is a person. The incarnate, crucified, risen, and victorious person, Jesus Christ, and His saving gospel. And so Paul spends this long letter of Romans declaring to the Romans this gospel as the powerful cure, the power of God for salvation and healing to anybody who would hear it and believe it. But now that Paul has declared this cure to the Romans, now that he's helped them to see its implications and its healing effects for us, Paul reminds the Romans that he is on an urgent mission to bring this saving cure of the gospel to everybody, to the very ends of the earth. And so, Paul is also inviting the Romans into that mission that he would share in the struggle with him to bring this healing medicine to people who so desperately need it. So, Paul ends the letter this way. He's inviting them to join in the mission, and by extension, as we preach Romans today, Paul's inviting you to join in the mission as well. So, Paul's going to share with us two examples of this mission. The first is an example of how the saving medicine of the gospel brings about peace between God and sin-sick sinners. And the second is an example of how the saving medicine of the gospel brings about healing and reconciliation between people who did not trust one another. Let's look first at verses 22 to 24. Paul says, this is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you, once I have enjoyed your company for a while. You may remember that as Paul began the letter way back in chapter 1, that Paul told the Romans that he eagerly desired to come and see them face to face. But it's here in chapter 15 that he finally tells them why he hasn't gotten around to it yet. Paul has been very busy. He's been busy preaching the gospel and planting churches all over Greece and Asia Minor. But now that he no longer has any room to work in these regions, he wants to press on westward. He wants to go to Spain, which many historians believe there may have been a Jewish community there. Paul wanted to preach the gospel to them and to the Gentile as well. 
Now, did you notice how the Romans are actually a part of Paul's mission plans to go to Spain? Paul's hoping that he can spend some time in Rome, and then he's hoping that those churches in Rome would launch him from Rome to Spain. This would mean that the church would offer prayers for Paul, encouragement and refreshment to Paul, and also financial and travel provision. In fact, many scholars think that this is one of the main reasons that Paul wrote such a long letter to the Romans. He wanted to declare to them the gospel that he preached so that they would form a partnership with him and support him, perhaps even function as his mission central, his launching point, as he traveled westward to preach the very same gospel to Jew and Gentile. I believe that this relationship that Paul's seeking with the Roman churches reflects one of God's purposes for an individual congregation like Holy Cross. So yes, on the one hand, the purpose of Holy Cross or any other congregation is to build up and to disciple and to encourage and to equip its own members in the faith. That's one of the reasons we're here today. But the purpose of a congregation is also to send and to support with prayers and financial gifts those who are taking the gospel to places where Christ is not yet named, not yet adored. As Dorothy mentioned in our announcements, this month is Mission Month at Holy Cross. And I hope that in the future we can get into a habit of just observing a month each year it really works well with harvest, right? As everybody's doing harvest right now, we remember the spiritual harvest that God's bringing in, uh, and that's what we do during Mission Month. We've decided to take an entire month to highlight some of the different missions that we support out of our budget. You can read about those in the pamphlets placed in the pews, and also there's an entire bulletin board right outside that door devoted to it. We've categorized these missions in our budget as local, national, and international. And so, uh, every dollar that you give into our offering plate, 10% of that goes to support one of these mission efforts. Out of those mission efforts, one of those that I want to highlight today is our international missionaries. As a congregation, we've supported Mission Central in Mapleton, Iowa for many years. In fact, some of our members actually support missionaries out of their own monthly budgets above and beyond their normal offerings to Holy Cross. Uh, many of us know Gary Teese, Missionary Gary. Raise your hand if you've met Missionary Gary. He's been here many times. And if you've met Gary, you've met Gary, right? He's got such a zeal and a passion for the gospel. When he was here uh, last year, about this time last year, speaking here, uh, we had asked Gary if we could be assigned specific missionaries that we could support and build a relationship, much like Paul had a relationship with the Romans. In response to that, Mission Central assigned to us two families, the Rajek family and the Kundiv family, both assigned to Riga, Latvia. By the way, raise your hand if you've ever been to Riga, Latvia. Anybody? Right back here. Let's talk after service. I'm interested. We had one couple of uh, the Kales had mentioned that they had been there because their son-in-law and daughter had been there for a year on vicarage at the uh, congregation there. 
So this is an area of the world where Christ was preached for centuries until the gospel was pushed underground by communism in the 20th century. After the gospel was suppressed, often violently, for so many decades, there is now today a deep and renewed hunger and interest in the gospel. And not only that, I spoke with Pastor Cundiff this past week, and he told me that they are now training men to be pastors in Pakistan. And some of these pastors are training are replacing pastors who've been killed through persecution. There's a much different situation in Pakistan with regard to religious freedom and, and the ability to proselytize and preach the gospel. And in the midst of those uh, afflictions, um, there are seminary students who will travel miles by car or by train simply to get to a parking lot that has Wi-Fi access so that these students can log on and participate in a theological training. That's, that's courage and devotion, right? But that is something that's being offered through missionaries that we support at Luther Academy in Riga, Latvia. I have a couple pictures here for you. Uh, this is the Rajak family. I really do hope that uh, they'll be able to join us sometime in person. Uh, with the pandemic, it's been kind of complicated, but now that things are open, it would be wonderful to have them come and visit us. Um, the other family is the Cundiff family. If that picture background looks familiar, it's because it's Trinity Amherst, uh, where Pastor Cundiff formerly served before taking a call to be a missionary. And this is a picture of a, of a Zoom meeting. This was back in 2020. Uh, this is a, a theological class being offered to seminary students online, many of them from Pakistan. And so in summary, friends, it is a beautiful, beautiful thing when we as a church, with our prayers and our financial gifts, we partner with missionaries who are seeking to bring the healing medicine of the gospel to the very ends of the earth and then some. Let's move on to the second uh, journey that Paul has. Paul wasn't just planning to go to Spain by way of Rome. Before he travels west, you may have noticed in the text that he first has to travel east to go to Jerusalem. Paul has a mission in Jerusalem that he must complete before he undertakes his mission journey to Spain. Let's look together at verses 25 to 26. Paul says, at present, however, I am going to Jerusalem bringing aid to the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. So before heading to Rome and eventually Spain, Paul has a financial gift, an offering that he wants to bring to Jerusalem. Because there had been a severe famine in Jerusalem that had afflicted the church there, and many had suffered greatly, leaving the church in great need. And so Paul had led a sort of a GoFundMe or a sort of fundraiser uh, in the, the Greek congregations, Gentile congregations that he had founded. Those are the churches of Macedonia and Achaia. And now this gift that would be brought to Jerusalem could not be mailed. It didn't work that way in the ancient world. It had to be delivered by hand-picked representatives who would bring this gift to the saints in Jerusalem. 
Now, the purpose of this gift was obviously to feed and clothe needy Jewish believers in Jerusalem. However, most New Testament scholars agree that Paul had a deeper purpose for the giving of this gift. You may know that Jews and Gentiles at the time the New Testament was written had a long and complicated history, and they often did not trust one another or respect one another. There were ethnic and cultural divisions that divided them. This is why Paul spent so much time in in chapters 9 through 15 talking about issues related to Jew and Gentile, about accepting one another, about not giving offense to the other. As he said earlier in chapter 15, Paul wants Jew and Gentile to form a united church that will glorify God together with one voice in spite of ethnic and cultural differences. And so to summarize, Paul's deeper purpose for this gift is unity, reconciliation, and trust between people groups. His purpose was for Gentile Christians to show tangible financial kindness to Jewish Christians, all in the hope that such kindness would be a living expression of the gospel, the healing medicine of the gospel that heals divisions between people who have complicated histories and who do not always trust one another. In fact, that's why I think in verses 30 to 31 in our reading today, that Paul asks the Romans to pray that the gift he's bringing to the church in Jerusalem would be acceptable and pleasing. In other words, Paul's praying that the gift would accomplish its purpose in breaking down walls and barriers and creating trust. Right now, as we speak, 18 college students and Holy Cross members are worshiping with the saints at Bethlehem Lutheran Church in North St. Louis. They're part of a service trip. They're doing some cleanup and some light construction efforts uh, to be a blessing to this congregation, really a congregation that suffered much. Uh, Their senior pastor died very suddenly, uh, Pastor John Schmitke, back in May. And so our service there is an effort to support them and to encourage them. A couple of pictures, and I know these are hard to see. Uh, We'll hopefully have these on Facebook later in the week, but uh, this is a picture of the whole group. Uh, Our group was part of uh, another group, I believe, from St. Louis that came for a a service project weekend that was yesterday. Uh, And there, Pastor Bowling, who, by the way, is going to be preaching here in about a month, November 14th. Um, He was there uh, yesterday morning uh, speaking with the volunteers as they were about to begin their work have some uh, photos here of some of that, uh, some demolitions, some cleanup, some light construction uh, taking place by our own members and college students. Now, we sent a team to serve at Bethlehem, yes, because there's a tangible need there. But just like Paul, there is a deeper purpose to the gift. Our nation continues to experience the pain of racial tensions. If you're white and you live in Kearney, you may be tempted to think that racial issues are not really issues because 
you don't experience racism and you're not racist, therefore racial tensions and racism are non-issues and maybe even not worth talking about. Other people may think that racism and racial tensions are everywhere, and so even people who are not racist must be racist because of the color of their skin or the society to which they belong. So some people ignore racial issues and others create them where they may not exist. Some people are in denial about the problem and other people want to micromanage the problem. Neither approach works. Neither works because one fails to listen to others and the other seeks to point the finger. There's a better way, and Paul models it for us as he brings his gift to the church in Jerusalem. I've always thought that it's beautiful that Paul brought Gentile believers with him to present the gift to the Jewish believers. Paul could have just played it safe and said, I'm just going to send Jewish people to present the gift to Jewish people, and then we won't have any cultural or ethnic tensions. But Paul actually sends with him Gentile believers to present the gift. See, Paul is after something deeper than the gift. Paul is after a relationship rooted in Christ that breaks down barriers and heals pain and division and suspicion. Likewise, this is exactly what happens as Christians from a predominantly white congregation in Kearney, Nebraska, worship and serve with a predominantly black congregation in North St. Louis. What happens is trust is built, assumptions are laid aside, and the church becomes an example to the world of what real unity looks like, a unity based not in ignoring or in micromanaging the problem, but one in Christ. By the way, next week at 9.30 Bible class, uh, we're going to have a presentation on this trip, and so we'll have people who attended the trip, uh, college students and members who will be sharing photos and sharing their experience, and I'd encourage you to maybe switch services that you go to and, and, and check that out. So in conclusion... Next Sunday is the end of our Roman series. Some of you may say, finally. To be honest, I'm kind of ready to preach on something else. <laughs> I've really enjoyed this, but I really enjoy like the narrative, the stories of the Gospels, and so it'll be good to get back into those. Uh, but next Sunday is the end of our Roman series. And as we end, I think it's really important that we would reflect on what we've learned and how we've grown through these nine and a half or ten months. During our sermon next week, each of you are going to have an opportunity to write down a few reflections on a sticky note, something that's been for you maybe a main takeaway. And so I encourage you this week to spend some time thinking through your notes, and then you'll be able to write down what's been your biggest uh, takeaway or two or three from the series. And then as a congregation, we'll have an opportunity to post all of these sticky notes out on those glass narthex windows so that for the next couple of weeks we can, uh, we can be edified by reading how we've each grown together. Now, if Paul were to have done the same exercise with the Romans, like the real flesh and blood Romans that he wrote to, 
I wonder what they might write down on their sticky note, having read the letter. How would Paul know that the main message stuck with the Romans? I suppose maybe that if the Romans wrote on their sticky note, I have been justified by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone and not by my works to the glory of God, do you think Paul would be happy with that? As your pastor, I'd be really happy with that. Don't steal the answer. Um, Put it in your own words. I think that would be a good summary of what Paul preached. But I think that the best way that the Romans would communicate to Paul that they really read and understood and took to heart Paul's letter is that when Paul arrived in Rome, he would find a church that was financially ready and willing to send him on to Spain. You see, it's one thing to know that you have received the healing medicine of the gospel and to begin to feel its effects in your life and in your relationships. That's one thing. But one of the effects of that medicine when it gets into your bloodstream is it begins to create a desire in you, a zeal in you, an urgency in you and in the congregation that others might receive this medicine, that we wouldn't hoard it and keep it to ourselves but that we would allow others to receive it, even to the ends of the earth. It means that our desire that others would, would have this saving and healing gospel medicine actually makes an impact on our prayers and our giving. And so how might we know that Paul's letter to the Romans made an impact on us at Holy Cross? I would say it's when we joyfully and willfully support the work of the church and its missions that it supports, when every member eagerly leans forward and participates in supporting the spread of the medicine, this is when I think that we've really understood Romans and taken it to heart. May God grant this for the sake of Jesus. Amen.